0: Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. want to make an appeal to you as your pastor this morning. If you are not yet involved in serving anywhere, we would love for you to get involved, get plugged in. And here's why. Two reasons why. One, uh, because it really does help. All right. If you've been coming to Canvas for a while, you know that we talk about involvement. Hey, find a place to serve. uh, Get involved uh, because there's a need there and it really does help. But the second thing is this. It actually does something for you as well. Uh, When you get involved and you become a contributor, whether it's your finances or whether it's with your time and your serving in some aspect, man, it does something in you as well. I I tell my daughters all the time when they're doing their chores, anybody have kids and you get them to do chores? All right, is that, a lost, is that a lost art? You know, like, no, there's no chores. Uh, we do, we get our kids to do chores. And uh, one of the reasons I do that is because I want the house to be clean. Come on, somebody. Uh, but the other th- reason I do that is because I want them to learn what it is to be a part of the family, what it is to be a part, and to grow, and to do, and to work. And so uh, if you've been coming for a while, I'd love for you to plug in specifically on our setup and pack-up crew. Uh, we have dudes that come in at 6.30, and excuse me, we have women that come in at 6.30 as well, and uh, that set this place up, stay for certain, stay for the next service, um, maybe even serve in one of those services, and then they pack up as well. Uh, But I believe this, if we got more people involved in our setup and pack-up crews, uh, that we could just have one setup crew, one pack-up crew, and it won't take half their day. Are you with me? And so um, it's either that or we got our own building. How do you guys want our own building? Anybody want our own building? Woo! Everybody's cheering. Yay. Okay, awesome. So really, here's the deal. We either get our own building or we grow the setup and pack up crew, right? So really, as you're sitting here today, you honestly have two options, okay? Here's your two options. A, you can give more money so we can get a building. Or B, you can show up to the setup and pack up crew. Are you with me? And I heard a lot of cheers when I, now. here's the thing. How many of you guys want your own building? It was like, yeah. How many of you guys want to give to it? Okay. All right. All right. So those are our two options. And so one or the other would be great. If you want to get involved in setup and pack up, simply text the word setup to 858 943 2221 and we'll get you plugged in. And, and I'm 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 really amassing, we do need some more people involved. And so if uh if you can do that, that would be fantastic. Well, turn in your Bibles this morning, if you would, uh, to Psalm 139, Old Testament book. Uh, although it's not the, the middle book of the Bible, uh, because of the way the pages are are you know set up, it, it kind of falls right in the middle uh, of the Bible. Or you can, you know, go to your digital one, you know, point and click, but go to Psalm 139. Uh, we were there last week. I'm going to read that to you, but then we're also going to read one out of the New Testament, Romans chapter 12. And we're going to talk about this as we continue our wonder life series, which we started three weeks ago. And we started off with John chapter 10, verse 10 that says that, that Jesus has come to give us life and life more abundantly. And I don't know about you, but when I read something like that in Scripture, I believe the Bible to be true. And so if I'm not experiencing the abundant life right now, um, I know it's a promise of God's, and so I'm going to go after it. And so we just decided as a church community to go after the abundant life. If it's in God's Word, it's a promise of God's Word Then I believe that we can obtain, that we can have, that we can live in the abundant thing that He has for us. Last week, we continued our series as we began to set up what we're calling these life marks, these big ideas um, that if you you know kind of grasp onto, that we believe that you'll begin to walk in the abundant, wonderful life that Christ Jesus has for you. And so last week, we talked about that I believe my story matters. Uh, not just the, the parts that I love, not just the parts that I like, but the jacked up parts, the messed up parts, uh, the parts that I don't necessarily am proud of, and I wish I could just blot them out. Um, but you know what? God uses the good, the bad, and the ugly in our life to paint a beautiful picture. Amen? Yeah. Do you believe that this morning? That God can use the broken places, the places that you're not so proud of, but he can still use those for his kingdom purpose and his kingdom plan, and that the abundant life is still available to you. Uh, as we go through these life marks, really the questions we're answering are these two questions. Uh, why am I here or, or who am I and why am I here? Who am I? Okay, so God's got this abundant life for me, but who am I that I could have that? Who am I? And then also, uh, what is my existence about? Why am I here on this earth. And so today's life, Mark, if you want to write this down, or a great way to take notes now is on our app. If you haven't downloaded that yet, you can download our app and it's right there The fill in the blanks. You can do it digitally, saves it for you. You can go back and look those over. But the big idea that we're going to tackle today is I am unashamed about what I love and care about. I am unashamed about what I love and care about. We'll talk about that. It'll make more sense as the message goes on. But here's the deal. If you could walk away today (laughs) with this, Um, That if you could walk away believing that the most radical thing you can be is. Are you ready for it? Here it is. The most radical thing you can be is yourself. Yourself. That God just wants you to be you. The you he created you to be. And that is honestly the, the most radical thing that you can be here on the face of the planet today. And that is what God wants you to do. He just wants you to be yourself. The person he created you. Psalm 139. We're going to start in verse 1, going to read a little bit, and then we'll jump to verse 13. Uh, Let me just set this up a minute if you weren't here last week. The guy that's writing this is a guy named David. Uh, David is known as one of the great kings um, ever to be on the face of the planet. Specifically, he's one of the great kings of the Bible that we read about. And you might hear that thought that he's a great king. Maybe you've even read the, um, the, the passage that talks about he was a man after God's own heart. You must be thinking, man, David, man, he was a super incredible guy. Uh, But here's some things that you need to know about David's life. He was also an adulterer. He was a murderer. He was disobedient to the voice of God. Uh, He did some things he shouldn't have done. The list kind of goes on. And so now think about that for a moment. But yet the Bible declares he's a man after God's own heart. How is that possible? He's an adulterer. He's a murderer. He was disobedient. How could he be one of the greatest kings? And I believe uh, that it's what's true of us was true of him as well, that God takes the good, the bad, and the ugly in our life, and he makes a beautiful picture. Right? And so it's got to give us hope today. If God could use this person in uh, and, 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 and all of the things that he did in his life, then God can surely use us as well. And so it's with that understanding I want us to read Psalm 139. As David writes this, he writes starting in verse 1: Lord, you have searched me and known me. You you have known when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. In other words, God's watching me all the time, and he knows everything about me. You are aware of all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it. Lord, you have encircled me. You have placed your hand on me. Now, listen to this, verse 6. This extraordinary knowledge is beyond me. It is lofty, and I am unable to reach it. In other words, David is saying, man, I know who I am. He's probably writing this, looking back at his life and looking back at the mistakes he's made. And as he looks back, he's writing this and he's like, wow, like, God, you care about me. Like, you're following me. Like, you know everything about me. I don't really get that. I don't understand it because I know the mistakes I've made. I know the things I've done. And it's, it's unsearchable for me. Verse 13. For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wonderfully made, okay? Uh, here he is again talking about himself and being God's creation. Once again, knowing all of his mistakes and knowing all the nuances of who he is and, and the quirks and the likes and the dislikes, and this is what he's saying, God, you made me this way. The things that I love to do, the things that I, I enjoy, you knit me together, my, my mother's won't. You created me the way I am, with a purpose. Your works are wonderful, and I know this very well. <clears throat> my bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and, and planned before a single one of them began. God, you, God, how difficult, um, God, how difficult your thoughts are for me to comp. Hand, here he is again. Think about that. God, I understand you made me this way, you created me this way, this way, I'm put together, but I just don't get it. I don't understand it. But God, you made something incredible. Now, I want to go to Romans chapter 12 because we see David here writing about how incredible creation is, talking about humanity, talking about himself, and that man, this is the way I was created. Now, Romans chapter 12, a guy named Paul is writing and he's writing to believers. And it says this, I'm just going to read verse 2, and we'll bring this together. Verse 2. It says, do not be conformed to this age. Your translation might say world. Do not be conformed to this world. Listen to it now. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Do not be conformed. That word conformed means to be don't be pushed into a mold. Right? Anybody ever made Christmas cookies before? One of you. All right. Merry Christmas to the rest of you. Right. And you have those shapes and you have those mold and you place that over the dough and whatever you place over the dough, it comes out. Look, it's a Christmas tree. It's a snowman. It's a whatever. Right. It's a mold. Well, there is a mold that the world tries to push us in that makes us not look like what God created us to look like. It doesn't look like the wonderful works that David was talking about. It looks like something completely different. And the world has a way of trying to push a mold over us so that we don't look like what God wants us to look like and accomplish the things that God wants us to accomplish. But today we're going to talk about, I am unashamed about what I love and care about. God, we love you. Thank you for your word. I pray that in the next few moments that we have together, that Lord, you would speak to every single one of us. That we would walk out of here, God, with a greater understanding of how you created us, what you're doing in our life, and what you want to do in our life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. If you've been coming to church for a while, you've heard bits and pieces of my story, bits and pieces of my life. For those of you here for the first time, I'll just catch you up. I've been married for 20 years. I have two beautiful daughters. One is 15. Her name is Kara. Um, I won't point her out to her, but she's sitting in the first row behind the, the fence and she's wearing a black and white striped shirt, but I won't point to her. Um, and she is absolutely incredible and I love her. She's beautiful. I have another daughter who's 12 and um, and she's, she's awesome. And, and And I've been married for 20 years. We also have a female poodle. Praise Jesus. So I say all that to say there's a lot of drama going on in my house. Are you with me? Right? I got two daughters. I got my wife and I got a female poodle. And now my kids want another dog. And they're like, can we get another female? And I'm like, no, we're getting a boy dog, right? We're getting male cats. We're getting, I don't care, a rat. We're getting a snake. Come on, somebody, right? Right? And so, you know, in my house, you know, things probably look maybe different than in your house. And uh, maybe if you have sons or whatever, um, but things look a little bit different in my house. And so when it comes to movie time, uh, we're going and watching chick flicks. Come on, somebody. Right. We're going and watching some chick flicks because I got a lot of chicks in my house. And so not too long ago, we were watching a show called Gifted. Anybody ever seen Gifted before? It's okay. You're you're in a movie theater. You can raise your hand. Nothing's gonna happen. All right. Great movie. Uh, definitely a chick flick, though. I mean, it's like this single dude that's all like you know good looking and stuff, and and he's you know raising this this girl that's really not his daughter, and and you know it's just like okay, it's a total chick flick, right? And there's so there's these there's emo- emotional moments in the movie, and I'll never forget like the most emotional moment in the movie. And I do this all the time. My wife can attest to it. We're in the theater, and man, I'm I'm kind of fighting back tears. I'm gonna be honest with you, I'm fighting back some tears, and so I always do this. I always look over to see if they're crying, right? And I just stare at them like, they're gonna cry. And sure enough, I look down the row. There's my wife, and she knows this now, so she tries to choke them back like she's not gonna cry. But sure enough, it just starts coming, and then there's faith and their car, and they're just like shrinking in their seats, and they're all crying, right? This is life in my house, right? This is me at the theaters, and I know you're sitting out there like, dude, we got to connect and like go play football or basketball or go to some guy movies, right? You're like feeling for me. I got a confession to make. I love chick flicks. <laughs> it's true. Like, I love chick flicks. Like, has anybody ever seen Steel Magnolias? Come on, somebody. Super old. So now I'm talking to all the, the older generation. Now that I, I love chick flicks. I, I love how to lose a guy in 10 days. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Even though I ain't trying to lose no guy. I'm just like, that was a great movie, Right? I mean, what are some other, I wrote some other ones down here. Maybe you've seen them. Beaches, come on, who's seen beaches, right? Like bridesmaids, never been kissed, bodyguard, come on, somebody, right? I just, I I got claps on that one. Someone tried to stand up singing like Whitney over there. Um, I enjoy chick flicks. And you know what, though? I I, I used to kind of hide that fact, because here's the reality. I'll be honest with you. I liked chick flicks before I met my wife. I know some dudes are out there like, I can never come back to this church. <laughs> I like chick flicks before I had my daughters, right? I just, I enjoyed them, but I used to hide it back in the day, right? Like I'd be walking on my, my campus, whether in college and, or high school, and I'd hear like people talking about the chick flick and I'd be like, oh my, and keep walking, right? I wanted to involve in the conversation, but if I did, no, no, that you can't do that. You're a man, right? You gotta watch, you know. I like chick flicks, right? <laughs> but here's what's hap- here, here's what happens. What happens is, is we we live life and and things happen and life happens and people happen and stuff happens. A mold starts to form that says, you know, you you, you shouldn't like chick flicks. You shouldn't like that. You you shouldn't you shouldn't be that way. You shouldn't do these things. You shouldn't. Are you with me this morning? (laughs) David was completely confident in who he was. He was completely confident in the makeup and the creation of the way he looked at it and said, "God, I'm this way because You created me to be this way. And if You created me to be this way, maybe there's a purpose behind it. From even the 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 intrinsic things that I like, the weirdness of the way I do things, to the whatever it is, God, You made me this way, probably because there's only people I can reach and only jobs that I can do." And if I allow myself to be pushed into a mold and I'm no longer the person God created me to be, does that mean somebody's not getting touched and a job's not getting done? Are you with me? David was secure in this. He writes about it. He says, man, this is beautiful. This is wonderful. God, you made me this way. Paul now writes to the Christians in Rome. And yes, he's specifically talking about, Hey, guys, there is a world system. There is a worldly way of living life. That is sin. Hey, Christians, don't be trapped in that. Don't, don't, don't be that way. Don't be pressed in that mold. Don't succumb to that. But you need to be set apart. You need to be different. Don't be placed in the mold. Don't conform to that thing. Are you with me? But if we take that same idea and that same thought here and apply it to today's message, there are so many of us, man, yes, we've avoided sin. Praise Jesus. Yes, we're not walking in, the, in maybe the way the world is walking and believing the way the world is believing and all that. So that is awesome. But yet I believe there is another layer of that. There is another level of that. Because if you go back into that same passage, Paul talks about being holy. And one of the definitions of holy is me being consistent within the nature of that which I was created. God created me this way, and I want to live holy. I want to live the way He made me, the way He created me. So don't be placed into this, this mold. You need to be unashamed of what you love and care about, because God created us that way. Paul is saying, "Look, man, and the world is trying to push us over here into this, but God created us this way. So in order to avoid being pushed into a mold, you need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove it is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. You with me this morning? And I believe this is one of the big things when it comes to the wonder life. One of the greatest obstacles to the wonder life is the sense of shame you and I feel over what we enjoy, love, and care about. Because I don't know, we, we shouldn't be doing that. We shouldn't be... Can God really use that? Can God really do that? And all of a sudden, this mold comes. And all of a sudden, so we feel ashamed and we say, well, I, I can't really be that. I can't really do that. I shouldn't really be involved in that. And you know, sometimes it's not even a mold that, that, that just comes like you shouldn't be doing that. Here's something I learned a long time ago. What happens to us is this, is we just, man, we just do things we love, and we enjoy. Maybe think back when you were younger, right? And you just, you get up and you do something and you love it, and you enjoy it and you're doing it, and then someone comes along and and makes a comment to you and says, oh, man, you're not very good at that, are you? What do you mean? Well, you're not very, here it is, successful at it. And somehow they they place this this mold on us that, that if you're going to do that, here's the level of success, and you're not living up to that level of success, so therefore you're not very good at it, you shouldn't be doing it. And somewhere along our journey, somewhere along uh, this path, all of a sudden we, we were like, yeah, I, I guess I'm not. Anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? I guess I, I guess I, I probably just guess it's just a waste of time. I mean, I love to do it. I really enjoy it. I, I get a lot of fulfillment out of it, but not very good at it. So yeah, I guess you're right. And then we stopped doing those things because someone came along somewhere. You, did, you didn't even know. You're just like, I love doing it. And somewhere along the way comes and says, no, you're not at the level that person's at. So maybe you shouldn't be doing that anymore. Are you with me this morning? I remember this happened in my own life when I was in high school. I was in high school and I absolutely loved chemistry. Anybody out there love chemistry? Woo, right? Two of you. All right. I love chemistry. I love the idea of being able to take things and mix it together to create something, right? Like if I put this with that, it'll melt that, right? Like that's super cool to me, Right. I loved it, man. I loved chemistry, and I thought one day that maybe I'd be a forensic scientist, you know, and I, I would, you know, solve mysteries and do stuff, and pretty cool, right? I'm in chemistry, and I loved it. Now, here's the deal. I didn't get the best grades in high school, and it wasn't because I wasn't brilliant, because clearly I am. Why are you laughing? It was honestly because I heard one day that the only, I just needed a, I just needed a C average to play sports. True story. And I'm like, done. <laughs> Play sports with a C average? Yes. So I just shot for a C average. But I was probably like a B student in chemistry. I loved chemistry. I'll never forget at the end of the year, at the end of the year, uh, the teacher, uh, he gave out the golden test tube awards. And he would call people up and he had something written on them, and he would give them the golden test tube award. And so he's giving them all out and I got my name called and I'm like, sweet. And I go up there and he gave me the award for least likely to become a chemist. I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. What was that? Yeah, thank you. And I, I, still to this day, I remember. Like, yeah, what, what am I thinking? Yeah, I, I, there's no way I would ever be a chemist. What a, what a silly goal. Why would I ever do that? I'm not, I, I'm, not, I'm not good at that. And so I guess I'll just become a pastor. No, I'm just kidding. But I remember. I remember that moment as if it was yesterday. I remember that award. I remember coming home just kind of really disappointed and really discouraged, thinking, man, I really wanted to do that. And I guess I'm not, I'm not good enough. I guess I, guess, I, I guess I need to look for something something different. I see it all the time. I see it in, in, in my own kids. I see it in my, you know, like uh, there might be something that, like, uh, that Kara used to like and Faith's younger, and so they would do that together. But then Kara gets older, and so now Kara doesn't necessarily like to do those things anymore, but yet Faith is still at this age. and She's like, well, I still like to do it, but I guess it's not cool anymore. And so then we, we don't do it anymore, right? I see, I see it happen all the time. There was actually a study done. Uh, I'll, write, I'll give you his name, and you can look up the study later if you want. His name was George Land, and he connected with NASA, and this study was done on, on, on children and their creativity. Are, are they born creative, the ability to think and create, or is it something that they adapt to? And, and the study took a, a, a bunch of five-year-olds, I mean, it was was a valid study, so it was enough to get the numbers. They took all these five-year-olds, and they tested them for creativity, and 98% of them tested creative. That's pretty awesome, right? 98%. So then five years later, they went and got those same group of kids back. They're now 10 years old, and at 10 years old, 30% of them tested creative. Same kids, 30% of them. Let five more years go by, and they brought all of them back, and now they're... (coughs) 15 years old, and at 15 years old, only 12% of them tested with creativity. They would bring them back as adults, and as they brought them back as adults, only 2% of them tested with creativity. What happens? What happens is the mold that Paul's talking about. I'm created this way and remarkably and wonderfully and unique. And these are the things that that God put inside of me. But somewhere along the way, somewhere along the journey, we continue to have a mold placed over our life and therefore we never do all the things and accomplish all the things that God wants us to do. We start doing things we are supposed to do rather than the things we really like and are created for. Man, but as believers in Christ followers, we, we should be a very creative community. We should be dreaming big, thinking big, going after God big. Why? Because the Bible says he's come to give us life and life more abundantly. The word abundant is the word super added. It's more than necessary. Are you living the abundant life? Maybe not, because maybe you've come to this place of shame. Maybe you've come to this place of disappointment and you are not being the very person that God intended for you to be. So what do we need to do? We need to do what Romans 12, 2 says. Hey, don't go into the mold. Don't succumb to the, don't conform to that. Here's what you need to do. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So what? You can do what is the good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. I want to do that. I want to be in the will of God. So here's what you need to know. We talk about will. We talk about calling. What does God have for me? Let me just give you a few things this morning. Here's what you need to know about your calling and his will for your life. Number one, your calling is right now. <laughs> your calling is right now. Good. So when we talk about calling in church, and you might be near like, what does he mean by calling? What's he talking about? We're talking about the plan that God has for your life, the very things that he wants you to do, and the person he wants you to be, the calling, right? And so many people throughout their lifetime search for that. What is God's will? What is my calling? Who am I? And why am I here? But what we need to understand that God's calling is right now. It's right now. I wrote this down. I want to read it to you because it's in your notes. It says, my calling is not some big thing in the future. My calling is not some big far off thing in the future. Like uh, once I get there, once I do that, then I've arrived. Now I've achieved. That's God's will for my life. But see, I grew up in church. I'm 43 years old, and I was literally, I think I was born on a pew on a Sunday. Come on, somebody. I've been going to church for 43 years, and and, and I've been to so many camps, conferences, church services. And I remember sometimes walking away from those, uh, just thinking about like, yeah, one day I will do something really significant for God. One day I will do something really big, and and that's God's will for my life. That thing is is what I'm supposed to do. God's, God's calling, God's will is right now. It's right now. It's not when you get to someplace. Then somewhere over the rainbow. Some of you know it, right? Right. Like, like somewhere over there at the end of the rainbow is the pot of That's God's will for my life. And one day, man, if I'm really good and I try really hard and I read enough verses and I go to enough church services and I join the setup and pack up crew, and I join the setup and pack up crew, then maybe I will be in the will and the calling of God for my life, right? I mean, when I, I mean I gotta believe that there's more for Canvas Church than two services in a theater. I mean, isn't that why the, the the Chargers left? Is to give us that stadium, right? I mean, that's got, when we get there, I mean, this right here, man, this is cool. Man, the theater's great. But, but really, man, the will of God is when we occupy the stadium, yeah. right? But we think like that. And here's the thing is we, we, we live sometimes our, 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 our Christian life like that. Like this is good, but man, one day when I get there, it's gonna be so much better. No, right now. His calling is right now. What are you doing right now? If we continue to chase something as if it's in the future and it's way off there, we miss everything God has for us right now. We miss the connections. We miss the relationships. We miss the purpose. We miss the potential. We miss the power. We miss miss the moment. No, it's right now. The lives you're touching right now, it's God's will the things that you love to do and are passionate about, man, don't, don't push them off, man. God wants to use them right now to touch a community, to touch a people, to, to see more people come to Jesus Christ. Are you with me? But pastor, I mean, I need to know what his will is for my life. His will is right now. You being in church, good job, right? Like it's right now, it's not some, but no, but pastor, like I wanna know who I'm supposed to marry, Like I I work, I mean, I used to work with young people a lot and young adults, but there's like this 19 to 29 gap, like, like, and you're just so chasing the will and the purpose of God. And it has to do with career and who I'm going to marry. It's getting quiet in here. God's got to have somebody for me. He does. Who is it? Well, if you're a woman, it's a man. And if you're a man, it's a woman. Pastor, it can't be that simple. No, it's really that simple. But, but, but no, but like, what about my career? What about your career? I don't read anywhere in the Bible other than everything my hand finds to do. Do it as unto the Lord. And be, be joyful in the work of your labor. Do you enjoy what you do? Yeah, but I don't make very much money at it. Okay, sorry. But are you having fun? Yeah, I enjoy it. Are you making an impact? Absolutely. Right. That's these, I think sometimes we, we treat the will of God like some crazy maze. Like, you know what I mean? Like we just got to go down. Oh, nope, that's the wrong way. And then we walk out and we go down. No, that's not it. And then we go down another. No, no that's not it. What if the will of God is the maze? And you just walk the journey with joy. Are you with me? The will of God. Let me just give you some scriptures about the will of God because I still have yet to find a scripture that talks about the will of God as being some futuristic thing. Like, live now in a way that one day you'll obtain the will of God. I haven't seen that. But let me just read you some of these scriptures about the will of God. Are you ready? First Peter 2.15. For it is God's will that you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. When's the last time you, you sought out that as the will of God for your life? The other day when I was talking to my brother, right? No. Some of you get that later. Right, like, that's kind of cool. Like, I just got to do good. Check out this one, First uh, First Thessalonians 5, 17 through 18. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus rejoice, but I'm single, rejoice, but I'm married, rejoice, right? I don't have a job, rejoice, I do have a job, rejoice, I want kids, I don't want kids, whatever it is, rejoice, right, always, this is God's will, pray constantly, how often? You know what the word constantly means in the original text? Constantly all the time just pray about everything and anything constantly what are you doing right you should be praying come on church right pray constantly right this, I like this one too give thanks in everything in everything because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus not trying to seek out something no I just this is God's will how about this one First Thessalonians 4 3 for this is God's will Your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. That's God's will. These are verses about God's will. Are we doing those things? For doing those things, we're in the will of God. Come on, are you with me this morning? Come on. Here's the thing I've come to realize. It's not about having a God-sized dream, but loving the dream God has placed in you right now. Why are you trying to create some big, impactful, like, if I do this? When God's just saying, no, if you just embrace what I have for you now, you're going to make impact. This is the life. It's right now. It's here. Stop complicating the will of God. Embrace right now. Um, two more. We'll finish up. You getting anything out of this this morning? God's will is my passions. God's will is my passions, Pastor. What do you mean by that? God's will is my passions. If we believe what David wrote, that David, he wrote that I'm, 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 I'm remarkably and wonderfully made and everything that I do, you knew I was going to do it. All the days are marked out for me before one of them began. Then the very things that I wake up excited about, the very things I love to be involved in, that is God's will. That is his calling. Those passions, those desires. Those things, because God put them in your heart. What I am passionate about is my calling. Uh, the word "calling," one of the Greek words for calling, is the word vocar, and this is what it literally means: "Hey, you, come here." What? Yeah, like calling, like I'm calling to you. It's 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 God's calling. It's the things that you're passionate about are literally calling you into greater relationship with Him. To calling. And so now my passions, the things that I get excited about, these are the very callings of God. And if I walk in them, I'm fulfilling his purpose. God does not call you in spite of all your quirks and uniquenesses. He calls you because of them. Because he has people that only you will reach. He has jobs and tasks that only you can accomplish. But because of certain people and things that get said and These things that happen, and we we begin to succumb to a mold. We begin to get conformed, never living out our passions. But if we just take Ecclesiastes 9.10 and do that, whatever your hand finds to do this, I'm excited about this, do it as unto the Lord. Do it as unto the Lord. My calling is my passions. You know what, here's the thing is you... You just have to, just talk to somebody for about five minutes. Let them talk. And you can walk away from that five-minute conversation knowing what they're excited and passionate about. Just listen. Just take a moment, just listen. They'll know. And then don't, don't be like the rest of the world and say, you're not very good at that. Why not take some time and say, you know what? Now we're going to invest in that. We're going to bring out the best in you we're going to bring out the best in people we listen we hear their passions lastly your calling number three is drawing you closer to god it's drawing me it's drawing you closer to god your calling is drawing you closer to god and here's why it's drawing you closer to god Because when you are walking in the things that you are passionate about, you are walking in the very nature and and the way that God created you. And so as you walk within that passion, as you walk within those things that you love and, and, and you desire to do, as you begin to do that, it's actually drawing you closer to God because you are actually leaving the mold, breaking free from the conformity, and being the very person that he's created you to be. And it actually begins to draw you in to a deeper relationship with Him. It begins to draw you in closer and closer and closer to Him. You know, as I look back at my own life um, and I begin to look at the, 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 the way God had used me and really look at the way He's designed me, because I've, I've loved being around people all my life. You can ask my wife, I shared it in the first service that if I could give all of you a key to my house, And you'd be, you know, just hanging out at my house every time I got home from work. I'd be like, hey, what's up? Let's hang out. Like, I just love being around people. I love people. I also apparently love to talk, right? And he took those passions, and here I am talking to people, right? I also, you know, one of the greatest things I love, I love counseling. Not like, not like, I like trained counseling, but just like sitting, listening to people, Discovering what's in their hearts and saying, "Okay, let me help you do that. Let's do that together. How how can we release that and see that be used for the kingdom of God?" I love doing that, and here he is using that. But you know what? As I look back on my life, um, all all the seasons of my life, I noticed one of the things the ways God used me was as an encourager to encourage people to speak life into people so I just embraced it. So now it looks like a pastor, right? What about you? What, 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 what passions and desires has God placed in you? Have you allowed them to be pushed into a mold? Are you no longer doing that because of something somebody said to you or somebody said, you know what, that's not, now. you're not very good at that. And little did you know, you're not walking in God's best for your life see what you're passionate about it just comes out like when we, were on, when we were on a trip to Italy we went on this tour and we sat with this seven other people there's only nine of us on the tour as we sat down at the end of this tour we were having a meal together and and it just so happens that everyone else on the tour was from my homeland Holland come on somebody and they're like do you speak Dutch and I was like no I was really young when we moved sorry but they all spoke English made me feel really smart and so we talked and one of them finally asked, well, what do you do? I said, well, I'm a pastor. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, me and my wife started a church. And they're like, started a church? How do you do that? Because they're, they're all from Europe. And it's like, there's a building, there's a church, right? Like, like, what do you mean you started a church? And I honestly, I sat there and I thought about it. I was like, I have no idea how we started. I really don't. Like, hey, we're going to do church here people came and people are still coming i don't know why no seriously like other than he's building his church but see when you're passionate about something you're not looking at the results and all these things you're just doing what you love to do and people are impacted by it lives are transformed by it you got to understand something you're always going to have haters in your life and haters are going to hate. And they're going to try to stifle the thing that you love to do and the thing that brings you joy. But you know what? On the other side of that coin, there are people that are being impacted by you doing what you love to do yeah. and you enjoy. Yeah. That's, that's why our small groups are the way they are. That's why our small groups are designed in such a way they are because we want people to be released in their passions. That's why, that's why Pastor Brandon does a motorcycle riding small group. Come on with somebody today after the barbecue him and some dudes are going to be going on a bike ride and i would be going too except for i i have a harley and it's always in the shop praise jesus but you know what when brandon's done with that bike ride he comes rumbling up on his bike right that's what it sounds like now and he comes into my house and he sees me chilling on the couch with my daughters watching a chick flick come on somebody He ain't going to judge me. So our small groups are designed in such a way that we want people. What's your passion? Let's do that. Missions. Let's do a mission small group. Outreach. Let's do an outreach small group. I love cooking. I love eating. I'm there. Come on, somebody. What is the passion? Then let's see you walk in the passion. A pastor. See the negatives start to kick in inside of a pastor. But no one cares about what I like. Like it? Yeah, shake it off. But 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 Pastor, it doesn't seem spiritual enough. Like riding a bike is super spiritual, actually. Pretty spiritual. It doesn't seem spiritual enough. Are people gathering to it? Yes. Do you love Jesus? Yes. Well, then that's gonna come in. I do a black market basketball one on Thursday nights. Why do I call it black market? Because it's not listed. Because I'm selective about who's on my team. Because I like to win. And you know what? Like, like half the dudes aren't even believers. Yet. But right before every game, guys, come on. Circle up. We're going to pray. We pray. And they're just going to look around it. Amen. All right. One of these days, I'm gonna go old school Pentecostal tomorrow. Come on, somebody. In the name of Jesus. They're gonna be laid on the basketball court. Live out your passion. Do the thing God has called you to do. I want you to remember this. It's in your notes. I want you to repeat it this week. I will no longer diminish or downplay my passions for the sake of others' approval. I will no longer diminish or downplay my passions for the sake of others' approval. I will no longer diminish or downplay my passions for the sake of others' approval. Let me put it in the way that Paul put it. Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And as you step into that, not only will you be drawn closer to God, you will see a wake of, of, of influence behind you. You will see people that have been transformed, lives that have been touched, people that have been restored, simply because you're living in the passion that God has placed in your heart. Amen? Amen. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you your word is amazing. God, your word is life-giving. I pray that each and every one of us will walk out this place today embracing the things we love and care about and we would do it for the glory of God. Whatever our hand finds to do, we'll do it for the Lord. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, go ahead stand to your feet. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.CanvasChurchSD.com.